Hello and welcome to this Anfield Extra Special podcast. I'm Joe Rimmon. I'm joined today by our Echo reporter Ian Doyle. Hello, Ian. Hello there. And um, I'm very I'm delighted to say that we've got a very special guest on the line. Um, we've got former Liverpool striker Emil Heskey. He's on the line with us now. Hi, Emil. Hey guys, how you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, good. Um, yeah, we've got plenty to get through today. We'll talk all about your career and your time at Liverpool um, as well. But first of all, um, I believe you're at Man City at the weekend. Um, yeah. A humbling for Liverpool. Um, you can say that. Um, what did you make of it all? Um, if I'm honest, it started very brightly. Um, got in, we're doing really well down the right-hand side with uh, Salah against Otamendi, uh, isolating them. Um, I think Salah had, a, had an opportunity as well couple of opportunities and uh, you know put pressure on them really on the front foot um, uh, not allowing them to really really get into their flow um, playing the pressing game winning the ball back quite high so everything was going on Kidori until uh, until they uh, they got their goal um, mm-hmm. uh, that was a good run of play to be honest with you I thought it was very very comfortable Great, great, unbelievable pass by uh, De Bruyne to find uh, uh, Aguero. And, uh, you know, when he goes one-on-one, you know there's usually one outcome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, big talking point was the sending off, wasn't it? Uh, you were a forward. What, what did you make of it? Did Sadio Mane just have to go for it? It was... Uh, when I first saw it, I said, I, I said it was red card. Um, mm. The only reason I said it was red card straight away is... is when you're going into a 50-50 like that and you're both coming towards each other like that, it's one thing if you if you make contact mm-hmm. uh, body to body, you know, like mm-hmm. body checking each other, and one of them one of you heads the ball first. Yeah. But when you put your foot up as well, it's, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. And even if he didn't actually touch the goalkeeper, to put your foot up like that is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, either either a booking or you can get a red card and he's caught him as well, so maybe even worse. Yeah. Um, now, if he didn't put his foot up and they just collided like that, I don't think that much would happen. I do, I, you can't call it. A, you could, I, do, I don't even think he would have given a yellow card for that because you, you're, you're making a genuine attempt to actually uh, to head the ball or win the ball. But to put your foot up like that is very dangerous. Do you feel as though Mane was a, a little bit unlucky then, from what you were saying? Yeah, I the way he did it, I don't think he actually saw the goalkeeper. Because you, if you see the goalkeeper coming like that, would would you really put your foot up that, mm. like that? You, you just you go with it with your head. Putting your foot up is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It was actually very good goalkeeping, wasn't it? it very brave because I yeah. don't think I would have done that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> don't think many of us would have. Yeah, um, what, what do you think, Liverpool? Not so much of their lacking because they played well this season, but they didn't respond well, did they, to going down to ten men? What do you think are the issues this season for Jurgen Klopp? Um, well, let's go talk about the going down to 10 men I think uh, when you're losing when you're going down to 10 men anyway it's, it's a difficult but then when you're losing such a such a threat in, in, in money uh, it makes it even harder um, and then you've got to figure out how you're actually going to pen them, pen, pin them back and keep, keep a hold of the ball um, usually you see teams when they go down to 10 men it, it gives them initiative and they actually keep the ball quite well um, but it gave Man City the onus to actually push forward again, and, and they did very, very well against uh, against the ten men. 
I mean, do you feel now that perhaps Mane is now Liverpool's most influential player? Because obviously there was all the talk of Coutinho perhaps going to Barcelona, but this season it's Mane who's stepped up, isn't it? Yeah, he has stepped up to the plate, and it's, it's nice to see not just Coutinho or, or just one one other player. You know, it's, it's nice to see someone else wanting to wanting to do that, be that be that main main focus. And he has stepped up to the plate, and uh, he's you know getting a, getting a red card. He's going to be missed. Yeah. Before we move on to talk about your career, just one last one about this current team. You look at the, the forward players that they've got, the likes of Mane, Mo Salah, Roberto Firmino, and of course Coutinho. Um, you're a forward. You must have like you must relish playing in a team like that, mustn't you? hundred oh, percent. Um, especially with the, how, how dynamic they are, quick, uh, how forward thinking they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, play, I, I was lucky enough to play with the likes of Stevie. You know, all we had to do was make runs, me and Michael, and, and you got players like that finding you, and, and Coutinho's got that, that, that as well. You got Mo Salah running down the wing, beating everyone and just whipping balls in. So, uh, you know, it, it would be great to play uh, uh, with players like that. Yeah. All right, so um, you're currently enjoying retirement, you're working in the media. Any plans to do your coaching badges, anything like that? I've done the first line of my coaching mm-hmm. badges. I haven't got any plans to do um, take it any further as of yet. Um, mm-hmm. It's difficult because it's just it's getting the opportunity to go back in, come back in and actually uh, yeah. put what you're learning into play. Yeah. Uh, I know there's a lot of players who have, uh, who have passed all the badges that you need to pass and and still not doing anything, so it's not, it's yeah. not easy when you come out of football. But uh, I've got the first part. I've got my level two, and yeah. if 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 needs be, I will go and get my B uh, license. If I get a job to go in and, and help out with any. Yeah. Do you enjoy working in the media? It's all right. It's good. Uh, at the end of the day, it gives me an opportunity to get to to talk about uh, how I see things and how I how I would have seen it when I was playing. Mm-hmm. Do you like highlighting how the media always get it wrong, and we just don't know what we're talking about? <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's not about that. It's all about opinions, isn't it? Uh, like um, I saw David Thompson um, mm-hmm. at the game, and he says, yeah. "Oh, you know, he's unlucky. It wasn't a red." And it's like that's red uh, for me. It's yeah. red card. Um, just the way that he actually he he, he, he lifted his leg up and went in, jumping in like that. It's, it's, a, it's a straight red, and I and I saw it. When I saw it live, I said it straight. I didn't really need to see the replay. When you see the replay, it looks worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then he, that's two different opinions, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's nice to actually see that. Yeah. All right. So your time at Leicester City. Um, we go back to the, the mid nineties when you start coming through. Um, mm-hmm. And what I noticed, just having a little look at the stats before, is that you were playing almost immediately. You were playing sort of thirty plus games a season. You did. You didn't really have that time of playing a, a handful of games. Um, what was it like coming in as a young lad and, and just immediately becoming a sort of a, a key member of the team, if you like? It was weird. I only really look back now and say and, and ask myself and look back and ask myself how did I do it to just come back, go straight in and mm-hmm. and play back to back to back. And you got to remember, uh, at seventeen stroke eighteen, it was well seventeen. It was it was Premiership, but then we went down and I played yeah. uh, uh, um, Division One. At the time, uh, which was obviously championship um, football, and it's back to back to back, and there's no rest. Uh, and playing at that that age, I never thought about it. I just wanted, I wanted to play football. It was just one of those things. I just loved playing football. I loved going out there, uh, running with the ball, and and, and putting performances. Yeah. I mean, Martin O'Neill was your, your manager for most of the time at Leicester, and anybody yeah. who's, who's had any kind of dealings with him will know he, he's certainly a unique character. I mean, what, what was he like to work with? He was great. He was great for me at that particular time because when um, when he came in, he just says he'd obviously seen a couple of games 
think he, I think I played against Norwich, and he he left Norwich that the, the uh, not not long before the game that we played against them, uh, uh, and then we played against them, and I think we won, we won two one or three one. I think it was two one. We were losing one nil, uh, and then we I think we won two one in the end. Um, so he'd seen a little little snippets of, of me playing and then he just came in and said look all I want you to do is just enjoy your football go out there this is what I want you to do I'm get the ball run turn and run with it and just create havoc and I'm like well okay that's, that's simple enough yeah, yeah. Um, and it was great because that's what I want, that's all I wanted to do to be yeah. honest with you and he never complicated anything um, you know to, uh, um, I remember there was times where I would I'd try and lay the ball off and for someone else and, and he'd, he'd go absolutely mad at me and you're like well, what have I done I've kept it because yeah but what can he do like uh, no what's he going to do with the ball yeah. I said well he can pass it there yeah, no I want you to get it run with turn him with it and run with it and then take them all on I'm like okay um, and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's you know when, when you've got a manager saying that to you he has confidence in you yeah. and he, he puts that he instills that in yourself yeah you um you played a lot of big games with Leicester League Cup finals. You helped them get promoted. Um, did that prepare you well for for later in your career and at Liverpool when you were also playing in cup finals? Uh, um, possibly, possibly. Um, at the end of the day, when you go into football, that's what you want to do. You want to be playing. In, you want to be playing in finals. Um, I played in a playoff final when I was mm-hmm. eighteen. Yeah. Uh, then we won the League Cup final the following year. So going to Wembley was. Massive, massive occasion, especially for the likes of Leicester. Yeah. I I've been to uh, playoff uh, finals, watching it as a as a um, as a fan with uh, with with friends, uh, and then and then I was a ball boy even when I, I think the game was Swindon <coughs> when we lost Swindon mm-hmm. in the playoff final. So I'd been a ball boy, so I'd been to them and known known about the occasion. So you always want to do that as a player, don't you? So. Yeah. Uh, Getting the opportunity to play in that was uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, obviously, you moved on to, to Liverpool, became their record signing in March 2000. And it seemed to recall that season there was an awful lot of talk about Liverpool being interested in you. But mm-hmm. when did you first get an idea or hear that Liverpool were definitely, definitely interested? Well, uh, you hear about Liverpool um, teams being interested. Now, I heard about teams being uh, Liverpool being interested for uh, I think I was 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I played Liverpool uh, in. In a tournament in Kiel, you know, at Kiel University, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Carroll was Carroll was playing, Dave Thompson was playing, uh, players like that, and uh, they were interested, well, showing signs of interest from then. Um, but uh, for me, I, I just wanted to play football. So uh, for me, getting the opportunity to play at Leicester, well, there was no use in me leaving then. Yeah. But then when it came about that, I had, I think it was my third cup final that I'd been. With Leicester, was it third? Yeah, third cup final. I'd been with Leicester, we'd, and we'd, we'd won it against Tranmere. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's about right now um, yeah. to, uh, to 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 move on and 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 challenge myself and win more trophies and do better. Um, uh, so it, it came about, and I took it. Yeah, did Gerald really have, did he have to sell the club to you at all? Were, the, no, were there others no, no, interested? No, no, no. no, no. To be fair, when you hear about Liverpool being interested, my 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 uncle, I was with my uncles all the time, and one of yeah. my uncles, one of them was a Man U fan and one's a Liverpool fan. I was with the Liverpool fan all the time, so <laughs> you, end up, you end up being a Liverpool fan as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I supported Liverpool from afar as well because obviously couldn't get up to Liverpool as a kid and, and go down there. But yeah, from afar, uh, supported them and 
And when you hear about them interested in you, so there's only one place you're going to go. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned that you were the record signing when, when you arrived at Liverpool. I mean, you ended up being the record signing at Birmingham and Wigan as well at the time. I mean, did, mm-hmm. you, did you ever feel the pressure when you were at Anfield of, of the money spent on you, or has that just not come into your thinking? No, it never came into my thinking until you, you, you actually don't think about it until everyone just bombards you with it. And that's, <laughs> that's one of the things, especially when it comes to media, you get bombarded with that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, you're the record signing. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, you've heard, you've heard that before, haven't you? You're the record signing. Jesus. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It, yeah. All you want to do is get on the pitch and play. Yeah. yeah. Um, that never really came into effect. And I, I, it never really bothered me. It never really bothered me because all I ever wanted to do was just get on that pitch and showcase what I could do. Yeah. and let everyone else talk. Yeah. Well, in your first full season, you went and scored 22 goals, Liverpool won the treble. Um, do you look back at that? Is, is that the most enjoyable period of your career? One of them. One of yeah. them, definitely. Um, productive as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the most productive and one of the most enjoyable. you got to remember, I'm from Leicester, and I, it was, it was, it, even though I went on and did really well, uh, behind the scenes, as in, because um, I, I was a kid, I'd never left my parents' house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to go and move to another city, yeah. um, and then not know. And you got to remember, this is this is before sat nav as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not knowing even where to go and get a go to a petrol station or just anything to a shop or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. As a kid, and I was still a kid at the end of the day, mentally, um, yeah. at 22, because I'd had a lot, like I was still living up with parents, so I yeah. had a lot done for me. Yeah. So it was difficult at the time, but I, um, football was my saviour, to be honest with you, because I could just enjoy it and go out and play and forget about everything. But it wasn't always hunky-dory off the pitch. You think people forget that when, when young players, you know, Football is a young man's game, isn't it? And, and they move, they move around at such a young age, and you, you mm. go to new cities, and people almost just forget the off-pitch problems that players yeah. could face, don't they? Because they only see you on training on on the pitch. Yeah. They don't really get that you're still that same kid. Yeah. Because even you go, you look at players who come over, and I, I and we had it when I was at Leicester. We had a, we had a few lads who who would come over as. Um, on scholarship or whatever you want to call it, uh, yeah. YTS, we you called it back then, yeah. and uh, come over from Ireland, you'd see them for a week, and then you're like, oh, where's so-and-so gone? No, I don't know. He's supposed to be in there. <laughs> He's not come back. Yeah. He's gone home. He's homesick. He, he, he just doesn't want to be there anymore. He's just gone. Yeah. Um, so little things like that, people just, just totally forget, and I don't know how they actually deal with it when they're younger, you know? I was 22 at the time, and training and the games were how I just forgot about things. Yeah. And um, but it was, you know, and you, you have to grow up very quickly. Yeah. I mean, in, in that 2000-2001 season where, where Liverpool won the treble, you were the only one of the strikers to start all three cup finals. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, the, Gerard Hulier, he had a lot of faith in you paying the record signing fee for you. But what does that fact say about how much he trusted you as a player at that time? I'm guessing that he saw something in me that, and and the way that we played, that enabled him to think that uh, he could rely on me every single game. So that's probably why it, it, it came about like that. You know, um, at the end of the day, the way that we played, it kind of suited the way that I played as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> being, being the said that, being the focal guy up front, and people playing off you. 
I mean, those three finals, Birmingham, Arsenal and, and Alaves, they were all pretty nail-biting. I mean, what what are your favourite memories from those games? Um... The, the the Arsenal game was the was the was the one for me where yeah. you know you got you got Michael and it, and it speaks a lot for Michael you know the, what he is um, um, you know you cannot give this man an inch because you know he's yeah he might not be having a good game or whatever he could be having a great game but you you still got <laughs> you still got to watch him every second because he could just nick a goal like like he did he's just over the top. Um, a great pass. I think Paddy recently said it was just a clearance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great pass, I'm going to say. And, um, you know, him getting on to the end of it. And I think it was Tony Adams thinking, oh, yeah, show him on his left, show him on his left. That's all right. Just show him back on his left and he goes to sport. Mm. Um, so that's the sort of thing that, you know, was great. Um, the, the League Cup final, I think, uh, what I can remember. Um, Birmingham was uh, Robbie's goal to be honest with you mm. the header that yeah. I flipped on and then Robbie just doing what he does best with that left foot of his and just putting it in the back of the net that was great and then obviously the penalties yeah. um, and it was just like you say nail biting all the way through and then the Alavis one was just ridiculous and the funny thing about the Alavis one is because um I don't think it. I, I don't think it was one of my. It was, definitely wasn't one of my best games. And um, mentally, I can't remember much of the game. To yeah. be honest with you, I think it was. It, it, we played that many games that season. I think I was just mentally drained when it comes to that game. Um, but uh, what I can remember, it was just a uh, just an unbelievable um, game and an unbelievable scoreline. Great to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You talk a lot about Michael Owen, and we'll talk about him, but you played with some top, top strikers at Liverpool. Owen, Fowler, Yari Lippmann, later Nicholas Anelka. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like training and competing with, with the sort of killer top strikers like that? Yeah, it's great. It's great. You get to watch them day in, day out and see what they are. Put yourself up against them. Try and learn from them. Um, Robbie was great. Robbie's, finishing-wise, Robbie's probably the best I've played with. Yeah. Um, you know, Robbie will say, yeah, I'm going to do this. All right, then, yeah, whatever. Bang. <laughs> All right, but you can't do it. Bang, you do it again. Right, yeah. let's, let's not talk about that anymore then. <laughs> you know, it's, he, he would do stuff like, um, you'd think, oh, nah, he's, that's, that's got to be, you know, he's got to be lucky. But he'd do it again and again and again. He was just practice with him. He had this, he had so much power in that left foot as well. Yeah. Even now, recently, we did a, uh, uh, a Masters thing abroad in, I think it was Singapore or somewhere like that. And I see him hit a ball, and I'm like, I don't know if I could hit a ball like that anymore. <laughs> but, he, but he just, he just, he could just smash a ball, and it's just unbelievable the way that he finishes. Yeah, yeah. Um, elsewhere, like I said, Yari Lippmann and um, Michael Owen. Obviously, Michael Owen was your, your main sort of strike partner during your time at Liverpool. Um, what, what was it that made you and him such a good? Duo. I mean, I know you've been asked about this many, many times. But. I think we're just, uh, just the total opposite. You know, um, he, he understood what I what I was good at. I understood what he was good at, and it just gelled mm. so well. Yeah. Um, you got to remember we played each, we played with each other from I think Mike was sixteen, I was eighteen at the under eighteen tournament, and we did um, we gelled so well there, and that's where Julio saw us actually. Yeah. 
you know, and uh, I would be the big man winning the ball, getting the knockdowns, and he'd, he'd be there knowing, understanding where the ball's going to be dropped, and, and then you and then you, you form a partnership like that. Um, it's difficult now as well. You look at players, uh, they don't really form partnerships because they don't have the understanding like that. They, yeah. we only play, now they only play one up front, and they don't really have the understanding yeah. where I knew where Michael was going to be, so all I had to do was win it and put it there. Um, I, he knew that if he if he uh, let the ball through his legs he knew that I would be behind him and to yeah. set him and or, or vice versa it's not necessarily there anymore with, with some with with uh, forwards now but we worked on a lot of that and we had a lot of uh, things that just came naturally yeah I mean as a former striker what do you make of this trend of like false number nines and only as you mentioned playing one up front does it kind of like disappointing well, you, you look at this like one up front uh, we played with one up front hmm. yeah. we, we played even even me or Michael had to drop in Mm-hmm. when we defended so it was one up front but then when you actually uh, when you attack when you win the ball and when you get the ball you've got to be an option up there uh, alongside the, the the other forward so in essence we played one up front when we were defending mm, yeah. but uh, now it's just yes yeah, strictly one up front that forward got to stay there he's got to do this he's got to do that it's like uh, now no, no forward knows how to bend his run no forward knows how to run the channels because they don't have to do it do you feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of getting lost in the game then, the art of oh, being a striker? It is lost, they don't understand it. But um, I'm guessing, I'm guessing it will take, it will take one one team to play four four two or to play with two up front, do really well, score plenty of goals, and then everyone's going to jump on it again, and then they're going to forwards going to have to learn it again. Yeah, yeah. You looking forwards now? You look at someone like Liverpool play Firmino in this in this false nine position, uh-huh. and when, when we look at Firmino nowadays, we measure him by not just his goals, but the amount of assists he makes. The, how much he presses do you feel that in your day that it was almost missed that it wasn't just goals we just used to talk about how many goals you or Michael used to score uh-huh. but we never I would never know the statistics for how many assists that you made for Michael do you think football's come a long way in that sense that uh, I, think, I think a lot of coaches were looking like that at, yeah. at that yeah. um, but not necessarily fans or um, or media yeah um, which is fair enough because when you say striker or oh, striker's got to score goals got to score goals got to yeah. score goals okay well, well, what is he doing when he's closing him down what is he doing is he forcing this man down the, down the line is, is he setting a trap for him to actually so he can be free is he making a run inside so he can be free to mm-hmm. go and score mm-hmm. um, little things like that are, are, are more looked upon now because you've got more stats you've got to remember I remember I remember meeting someone recently um, and they did uh, they did our uh, our like pro zone which it was called then yeah yeah and uh so you're looking at all the stats and all that when you look at the stats back then you're like yeah great but yeah. now everyone actually goes off it you know and looks at how many tackles you want how many headers you want percentage of um, the balls you kept and this and that and uh, how many flick-ons how many challenges you want yeah. how much percentage of ball you kept um uh, even down to how many sprints you you did yeah yeah uh, imagine back in the day, and you're counting mine and Michael's sprints. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we never looked at all that. It's, it's more because you've got the technology now to actually look at it, and you've got it all in hand on an app in on your phone yeah, anyway. Yeah. So back then, you'd have to. It would take you three days to get it to look <laughs> yeah, at yeah, much. Yeah. Of course, then you went and played out on the wing at times under Gerard Houllier. I remember the, the game at Stanford Bridge where you ran down the wing and played a, a great ball for Sheru. Mm-hmm. What was it like playing out on the wing? Did you have to adapt or was that something that came naturally to you? Um, 
No, you, I had to adapt to the end of the day. I, I played there when I was at Leicester a little bit. Um, I played everywhere at Leicester, but I played there a fair bit at Leicester, left wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, playing uh, just being on the pitch was great. Um, mm-hmm. So wherever you put me, I, I, I tried to do it to the best of my ability. So playing on the wing for me is just don't let the left back, don't let left back, right back, or the full backs beat you, mm-hmm. and you try and push them forward and, and beat them and get some crosses in. Mm-hmm. Um, get up and down to help your fullback when you're defending and try and go forward. That was it really and um, I never complicated it too much because sometimes you can overthink things and you're like, oh, wait, am I supposed to be in here? Am I supposed to be there? And you just confuse your own self. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the main thing for me. I mean, what was it like working with Gerard Hillier? Because he always came across as somebody who was, who was very close to his players. I mean, mm-hmm. what was he like in training? Was it, oh, what, good. Was very it very good. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, and you're not, you, you, you take it for granted when you're actually in it. But now I look back and say, yeah, he's a great mentor for, for myself anyway, um, for what, uh, how, I, how I ended up being who I was. Uh, not just him, but um, uh, Martin o- him and Martin O'Neill were the main two for me. Uh, Martin O'Neill allowed me to go and express myself uh, to the fullest uh, and not worry about anything. But then Gerald Houllier to actually learn, the, learn about the game while expressing yourself as well understanding the game mm-hmm. um, they're both brilliant yeah you um, one of the most iconic moments of, of Julier's reign uh, that, that uh, game against Roma in 2002 when he came back from illness mm-hmm. you scored the decisive goal that night was that one of the best or if not the best atmosphere you played in yeah definitely one of the best you know you know, you know what you have to do you know um, the importance of the game and for me to get that header in front of the cop um, was unbelievable. You know, you hear, you, you hear the roar and you hear the excitement, uh, and you get them little tingling feelings down the back of your spine. It's uh, unbelievable. Hmm. And what was Jared Hulia like when he came back from his illness? I mean, because obviously it was a it was quite a traumatic time for him, and and in some respects the team as well. I mean, after hmm. it had gone on such an upward curve for him, were things different over the last couple of years? Um, in what sense do you mean? Uh, for, for us, it wasn't. But I'm guessing for him it might have, it might have looked different because obviously, um, what can I say? It was a life-changing event for him, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. So for him it might have been different. Uh, for us it wasn't. It's yeah. just nice to have him back. Yeah. Um, uh, because he, like you're saying, he'd given us so much, and we'd been on this this journey that had had us going in the right direction. At the end of the day, yeah. uh, upwards. Um, so, but it was going to be a difficult time for him because could he deal with the stresses? Because there's a lot of stress on yeah. managers, and he took ninety percent of that off us. Yeah. Mm. You know, uh, we were kids as well. Uh, when I got there, I was twenty-two. Uh, Stevie would have been eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael would have been nineteen, twenty. Yeah. Um, and Elka's younger than me as well. So, you know, you look at that, it's, it's a lot of young players who, who he's got to try and encourage to play and take a lot of pressure off them. Um, so, stress-wise, it would have been even more so, even more stressful for him coming back from that. I mean, what, what were your memories of, at the time when he, when, he, when he fell ill and then the, what happened afterwards, obviously, with Phil Thompson just, taking over? I, I actually, it was in the league game and I yeah. actually came off injured. And I can remember him, I, I've gone into the treatment room and I'm, and, and, and I'm sat on the treatment table and I'm looking at him thinking, you don't look right. So 
So he's come in and then the docs said, oh, uh, he's told the doc, yeah, I've just got a bit of a pain on there. He goes, so I got, I've gone to get up and he's like, no, no, I'll sit down. I was like, look, I said, no, no, you sit down. So he's gone down and then next minute they've obviously put him into, the, uh, and everything's just spiralled from there. And uh, it was just crazy, to be honest with you. Yeah, the team coped really well, didn't they, at the time? And, and you played some good stuff and, and got through that period quite well, but it must yeah, have been in the back of your I mind. Think, I think uh, uh, it, it was Phil Thompson, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think the good thing about Phil Thompson, he didn't change anything. Yeah. Even down to team talks, even down to meetings, yeah. everything was the same, and, he, and it was good that he kept it that way because we were still on the momentum. Yeah. Even though the gaffer wasn't there... Um, we we were still on the momentum and and he, and he and he kept everything in the same same way. Yeah. He came he came back didn't he, in in that in that March time and and then he said that sort of ten games from greatness statement and I think people always jump on that statement. It, it was a very good team. Did that put any pressure on you as a team at the time? I can't remember us having any, that much pressure on mm-hmm. us to be honest with you. But there's always pressure as in as in because you're playing for the best team one of the best teams in the world, so there will always be pressure on you um, to, to perform week in, week out. So I don't think that added any anymore. No. I mean, obviously, you mentioned, we've just talked talk about the pressure they were playing for a team like Liverpool, but that that comes a lot of scrutiny comes with that. And personally, you took a lot of, you know, took certain criticism at certain times of your career, but never really seemed to complain about it. Um, but do you think the players nowadays have to be more thick-skinned than ever? Because obviously you've got social media and people have, you know, people got such short memories over things. Yeah, um, I think if I'm honest with you, um, you, do you have to be more thick-skinned than than before? Not necessarily. To be honest, you say in social media, you can always come off it. Yeah, true. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you know, um, our social media uh, when we were growing it is 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 the pub. Yeah, (laughs) I I prefer that social media. (laughs) You know, uh, or the or the hairdressers. Yeah. You know, you can always come off it if you, if if you feel like you're under too much scrutiny and too much uh, too much pressure. Come off it. Yeah. I mean, how did you cope when you came up with came in for some criticism? The thing from me, I never ever took anything too personal. Yeah. Um, people's views are people's views, so I just kind of knew what I was capable of doing, and I gave myself. I told myself that if anyone else could do it. They would be in this, they would be yeah. in instead of me. Yeah. Was so your... I always just kept that in my mind and and mm. uh, I knew what I was capable. Because at the end of the day, it's all about a journey, and um, I wouldn't be there if I had if I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And I knew I was. I knew hundred percent that I was good enough. Thousand percent that I was good enough. Gerald Hulley had great faith in you. Was he? Was he someone that was was very good to you at times? When? Oh yeah. 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 Because the thing is, you've got to remember that uh, when you get a lot of people criticising someone, it's easy for you to just say, no, I don't want to pay him anymore, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. And I've watched it, I've seen people, I've seen managers change uh, team sheets because of someone that's been written in in the newspaper. You know, someone's, they've written one player um, in the newspaper that you haven't got on the team sheet and they've taken that that player from the bench and put him in the team. But you're no longer doing it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the end, you left Liverpool in the summer of uh, 2004. I mean, when did, did did you make the decision that you wanted to go, or was it more? I well, to be honest with you, it was it was more 
they came to me and said, oh, they'd set for bid. Um, I spoke to them and said, well, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. But they said, uh, well, so-and-so's coming in. I think he said he's coming in. Mm. And he's going to play. Oh, okay. Well, if I'm not going to play. Yeah. You already told me that I, I, regardless of whether I'm fighting for my place or not, I'm not going to play. Yeah. Uh, I'll go. And um, looking back at it, you've just got to accept it at some stages. Do I think I should have stayed? Some of the parts of me say I probably should have stayed because I, I believe I could have still played. Parts of me yeah. say, well, it was the right decision to move. Yeah. But then again, they went on and won the uh, European Champions. So. Yeah. It's a big cup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no point looking back and having regrets, but did you ever get to speak to Rafa? Because then he went a year on and bought Peter Crouch uh-huh. uh, and tried to get his team to be a bit more physical. And you would have thought, quite naturally, you'd have been able to fill that role for him. Yeah, it was funny because I'd only signed and then I met, uh, I think I was away with the national team and I met that Guillaume Barry again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said, you should uh, uh, you should stay. And I was like, well, I've already signed. He goes, oh, Rafa would love you. And I was like, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this is like you're talking, yeah, you're talking a week after yeah. I signed. Yeah. Obviously, you went over to Birmingham then. You won the player of the season in, the, in your first year there. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you feel as though the, the, the move gave you a new lease of life, though, as a player? It, it, it possibly did. It wasn't easy because, no disrespect to Birmingham, I was playing with some of the best players in the world yeah. and that makes football a lot easier. Yeah. You make a run, I don't even need to, I don't even need to shout um, for the ball, I can make a run and Stevie's already found me. Yeah. Uh, I've got people like Michael, who I, he makes a run and I can find him. Um, I've got people always showing and always wanting the ball, then you've got, uh, and then you go to a club that is in transition and the players are not as good. Mm-hmm. And you find that you things are taking a little bit longer, and people are not seeing certain things as quickly as others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was difficult. Yeah. Is that frustrating? That, Is that frustrating in a way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you adapt, and that's yeah. how that's that's one of the things where I um, had to adapt very quickly. Yeah. Um, and understand what how I was going to get the best out of myself in that team. Yeah. Um, and it was it was tough it was tough but um, but it was good it was good learning curve. just going to quickly interject we've got something jotted down that we've not asked you about that I did want to ask you about earlier the trademark DJ celebration mm. we all remember it I know you've told the story before but for our listeners what what was it all about? well um, a friend of mine DJ friend of mine uh, DJ Spoonie <laughs> oh right okay yeah he's a Liverpool fan as yeah, well yeah. and uh Said, oh, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. Um, uh, this celebration. All right, then show me it. Because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm on the decks. Yeah, all right, cool. I'll do it. Didn't expect to go and score twenty summit goals that season, and it just go come out <laughs> yeah. all the time. Like you know, and it was, it was just a wonderful season. Yeah. I mean, I have to ask about your, your England career, in, in particular the the five one against Germany. I mean. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, speaking as, as an Englishman, th- th- there aren't many English footballers who've been involved in a night like that, is there? No, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a memorable, it's a historic historic night. Um, I, I, I'd met, I think I can't remember how long after, but I'd met then, and um, we were out eating, and he says, you know, we're going to be remembered for a lifetime. Like, and you never think of it that way. Yeah. But it's only now that I bump into people who were probably be about 10 at the time 
saying, oh, you I remember that game and I won. <laughs> it's one of those games that everyone remembers exactly where they were and what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, obviously that got you through to the well. It was a result that helped you get through to the World Cup. Where mm. Eventually, you got beat by Brazil in the quarterfinals. Do you feel as though that was a chance where England could have gone a bit further? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Having gone one nil up um, in that game, and then getting beat in the end, it was hard to take. To be honest with you, very hard to take. I was upset, but they went on and won it, didn't they? So um, you, you can't accept yeah. that. But it was probably the closest that. I have got to win anything in the, in, in the big tournaments. Yeah. Do you feel that, uh, I often argue with people that that England team was A, very underrated uh, and B, a little bit unfairly criticised at times because if you think about it, they went out the World Cup to either, I personally think it was a moment of genius or a fluke depending on the way you look at that goal. But, it, you know, they, they did so, so well in that tournament and leading up to it, didn't they? Yeah, look, I think, I think that was the, probably the best what we had yeah. um, and it was probably the best opportunity that we had of, of, of winning something yeah. um, you know golden, was it the golden era they, they yeah. called us yeah. or something like that but yeah. we never won anything yeah. um, golden generation wasn't it yeah. Um, yeah. but we never won anything but you know uh, and the thing is you've got, you've got others who had the golden generation as well you know you had your armies who, who were around the same age as us so, yeah. and they all came through together at the same time yeah. I played against Henri, uh, uh, um, Sylvester, uh, William Gallas, Anelka, yeah. um, and, and a few others. Uh, Daba, I think, was another one yeah. who played in the under 18s when we were yeah. playing, and they got to the they they won the final. We come third, yeah. you know, and then they go on to 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 form a, 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 a unbelievable uh, team team and group that win the, win the World Cup and win the Euros. Um, so, you know, they've gone on and done it. We didn't. You know, it was, you know, you've got to start accepting that they had probably had a, a better team than us. Mm-hmm. I mean, go, going back to your, your club career at Birmingham, the next year you got relegated from the Premier League. I mean, was, yeah. was that the lowest point of your career? Um, yeah, I'm guessing so. Uh, one of them. Um, uh, you know, go, 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 getting relegated. We 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 never we got rid of a couple of players and never really um, brought in anyone that was uh, better. Mm-hmm. So it was difficult when you go in when you're talking about Birmingham. So you go you get some players that do well, and next minute you get a five million pound bid, you get a six million, eight million, whatever pound bid. As a club like that, you can't really turn it down. Mm-hmm. But when you go and when you go and replace them, you've got to replace them with like like for like, or if not better. If yeah. you're not, we 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 struggle because you don't have a bigger squad as as um, say your likes of Liverpool's or yeah. or your bigger clubs. And plus, your 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 youth development is uh, is slimmer picking as well because they're not as as ready at a, at a younger age as say your Liverpool's and your Man U's and your Chelsea's and. All. Yeah. You moved on, you went to Wigan um, and you found your form at Wigan and you, you were actually, just reading in, in my research for this, I was reading that you were actually linked with the move back to Liverpool. Do you remember that time and, and, and what was it like for you at Wigan? I can't remember that being linked. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely true, I wrote it at the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah at Wigan was, uh, another place that was great, that um, was probably where I, one of the places where I enjoyed my football most, um, 
we had a great bunch of lads who yeah. who just made you feel relaxed. And yeah. Whenever you went into a game, you were so relaxed and so focused on on winning that game. It was unbelievable. Um, that first season was difficult. Was good, but it was difficult as well because um, we we were, we were always near the bottom, and then we needed one win. I think it was the last game of the season. Uh, to stay up into the Premier League, we got that in the end, but it was just so emotional. Yeah. Um, at the end of there, Paul Jewell, I think he um, uh, just resigned after that game. <laughs> the whole season, emotionally, mm. just took a lot out of it. Yeah. And then you you ended up at Aston Villa, uh, where you yeah. linked up again with Martin O'Neill and Jared Hulier. Yes. Um, yeah. You know when that came about, um, I couldn't turn it down. To be honest with you, it was just one of those ones where uh, I think the I think uh, Wigan were happy with the with the uh, with the sum that they they got offered. Uh, I was just happy to be at another huge club that was that was challenging for Europe. Yeah. Uh, Martin O'Neill was trying to push into the top four. He was getting to Europa, but he was trying to push into the top four. And uh, it was just a nice time to be around the club because you got some good, really good young players that were coming through um, that they'd bought in, but were doing well. And uh, you ended up in Australia in the end, which yeah. uh, must have been a bit of a that must have been a chore for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How that came about was um, Robbie Robbie Fowler. Um, rang me up and asked me actually at the time I think our kids were playing football together and he asked me if I would uh, I would uh, consider going to Australia I said yeah why not it's an option isn't it you know what I mean Um, but tell them to put something together and and we'll see what happens so the the CEO of one of the one of the directors of 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 Newcastle Jets was a player alongside Robbie for North Queensland Fury yeah, yeah. So uh, he rang him up and said, the, and the deal got done. Yeah. Uh, and it was great, to be honest with you. I, I, I would uh, encourage anyone to do it if they, if, if they have any opportunity to go out and play abroad or go and play in Australia or go and play anywhere really abroad. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a great experience. Yeah. I, I, um, the football was good. People yeah. were great. Um, and the lifestyle was unbelievable. Yeah, I was going to say I've I've lived in Australia for a year and saw Robbie playing for Perth Glory, and um, what what was the standard like over there? I remember we, we used to go to a lot of Melbourne Victory games and the, the lifestyle as well. Yeah, the standard was good. I thought um, it's not you can't compare it to English football because the weather is so hot. Yeah, they play in the summertime as well, so the weather is so hot that you, you look at it and it'll be it'll be it'll be look like it's slow, but it's not. <laughs> it's not slow out there. But um, they encourage you to play football. They sometimes overplay, which you can get can get a bit frustrating at times. But they encourage you to play football. But it was um, it, it's, it's good what they're trying to trying to achieve over there. So looking back on your your career as a whole, you made over five hundred Premier League appearances. You're one of a select few that scored over hundred Premier League goals. Um, how do you look back? Do you look back with pride? Do you think at times you were a little bit underappreciated? How do you look back now as your career as a whole? Uh, the thing is, I was never underappreciated by um, my fellow pros. It mm-hmm. was others that were uh, who, who deemed that. Yeah. So I would, I wouldn't say I was underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, if you if if at the start of my career you'd have said to me you'd go to uh, six six League Cup finals and win four, yeah, uh, you'd win FA Cup, yeah. Um, You'd win uh, Super Cup, you'd win UEFA Cup, you'd go to two World Cups and two Euros, 
You'd yeah. uh, make over 500 appearances in the Premier League and score over 100 goals. Uh, you'd, yeah, I'd, bite my hand, I'd bite your hands off for that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just looking ahead to the future, um, as now a fan watching Liverpool, Liverpool under Klopp, are you, are you confident for the future? Do you see trophies? Yeah, and... I, do, I, I am confident. I am confident. Um, at the end of the day, you always want uh, you always want the 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 club to keep buying players to improve all the time, um, and he's doing that. Um, so. And, but it's, it's, it's a journey. It's not just a, it's not a sprint. It's a journey that he's got to go along as well. He's got to understand that as well. So I think a lot of people just want him to do go and buy this, go and buy that, go and buy that. He can't just buy everything all the time. Yeah. So and I think he's doing it in the right manner. And I think he's doing it. He's taking his time with it. The one thing I do love about Klopp is the enthusiasm that he shows yeah. on the side, and I think that that's what the fans love. Yeah. You know that he kicks every ball with them, with them. Yeah. You know and uh, heads every ball with them. Um, scores every goal with them as well, you know. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that the fans love about it. Yeah, I bet you'd love to have played for him. Yeah, that would have been great, to be honest with you. Um, playing alongside some of them lads as well, because yeah. they've been so quick. Yeah. But if I keep, well, mind you, my, at 22, I would have kept it with them. <laughs> well, Emil, you're certainly not underappreciated here. We've really enjoyed having you on, and thank, thank you. you very much for joining us today. Ian, thank you as well. Thank you. Um, and um, join us next time for another Anfield Extra podcast. Ciao.